This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Six people are dead and five are still in critical condition after last night's horrific attack on a Quebec City mosque. The two suspects in custody are identified as Alexandre Bissonnette and Mohamed El-Kadir. Witnesses say they shouted Allah Akbar before opening fire in the midst of the evening prayers. According to unconfirmed reports, they are students at nearby Laval University and police do not believe anyone else was involved in the attack. It would appear to be a case of Muslim-on-Muslim violence, and authorities are stepping up security at mosques around the country. Um, And there also appears, frankly, to be a little bit of political correctness around even the reporting of that. Meanwhile, President Trump's travel ban on Muslims from seven countries is certainly stirring things up with confusion at airports, demonstrations around the world, including one here in Toronto this morning that created some traffic hassles. We'd like to hear from you and what you make of these developments. Developments. The numbers to call 416-360-0740 or 1-866-744-740. Uh, right now, I am here with security and terrorism expert Ross McLean. Hi, Ross. Good to be with you to talk about these important issues, Libby. Um, terrible reason, uh, but good to see you. Uh, What do we know? We're told that uh, these are two guys. Um, The witnesses inside said they were calm and they knew what they were doing. It wasn't some kind of amateur. Uh, One of them has an Arab name. The other, you know, Quebecois. Quebecois. Yeah, in fact, it's interesting. When this story broke uh, last night, I was watching it, picking it up, uh, information from reporters, information from people on the scene who were tweeting. And the information was sketchy but consistent that some terrible shooting had happened within this mosque and that uh, quite a few people were dead. And it started to clarify, and as you just summed up in the intro to this piece, as to where we are with it now. It's very interesting that uh, we, uh, we probably learn more from the witnesses who are speaking at the scene who put information out than we did from the uh, police news conference that was held earlier today, where the police were very tight-lipped. They would not reveal the names uh, of the people that were arrested. They would not reveal the backgrounds of the people that were arrested. Uh, They just wanted to be tight-lipped about it all. But, of course, some uh, very good reporters uh, managed to dig up these names to get them confirmed, as you just announced. I believe they came from court documents. It was the Journal de Montréal. There were some things, uh, for instance, the fact that that uh, a gunman was shouting Allahu Akbar, that was not reported on some of the radio stations where I was listening. So it seems like, I mean, there's political correctness around this. 
people withholding the facts? Is such a thing possible? Well, it is possible. And I've talked about this before, that the police need to be very forthcoming with the public. They need to educate the public. There's a whole new language we need to learn to understand uh, this terrorism, this Middle Eastern terrorism that's enveloping uh, Europe and the world and that we're all concerned about now. Things about the fact that this is a Sunni mosque, I believe, that was looked after here. We know that Sunnis and Shias, when you talk about Muslim and Muslim violence, are two of the groups that fight together on this. You know, and the, and the evidence that we have about the yelling of Alu Akbar would have come from people inside of that mosque because they would have known it to say it. So it's these would have been presumably Muslims that were giving this information that this is what was yelled. And very much of concern is also information from those witnesses. It's reported uh, that the people who did the shooting looked very uh, trained and skilled, if you will, with how they handled the weapon and how they shot the weapon, which, you know, leads to questions about, are we going to look at the travel records of these people to see if any of these people, as we've seen before with terrorists who've been involved in these sort of things, that they've traveled to receive their training somewhere? That's an unanswered question at this point. And uh, as you were mentioning, um, now, uh, you say that it's confirmed that one of these suspects is, in fact, a student? Yeah, my understanding has been confirmed by La Presse that uh, the one is a student and he is of Moroccan origin uh, from Africa. Uh, Afri- uh, Morocco is uh, 90% uh, Muslim. It's mostly a Sunni country. It's been pretty well safe for quite a while from a lot of the terrorism that's enveloping Africa, but ISIS has been making its inroads in there. It's only one country away from Libya for being there. And, and, and also very close to Tunisia. Yes. Uh, where they there was that horrible attack in the hotel. What was that, a year ago? Yes, just just horrible. This is not the first loss to Quebec for people in terrorism. They lost six Quebecers uh, for that attack that was in Africa before, people who were over-volunteering. And, you know, in this particular case, too, I want to point out, you know, all of the victims in this of the six uh, that are dead so far, all males between the ages of 35 and 70, and that's because the males were all on the ground floor. And, you know, the, and the females were upstairs with the children. But there's also, there are unconfirmed reports, but I'm, I'm going to go with them and say this. Apparently, many of those people uh, died, Libby, uh, rushing at the attacker. And I'm hearing that some of the wounds that they died from will clearly show that, that they were risking their lives to save others to uh, take down these shooters. Wow. Wow. I, I hadn't heard any of that yet. Um, and this phenomenon, uh, it, it's probably very strange to people here to think, you know, uh, that it's possible that uh, that uh, there was a Muslim terrorist, a Muslim attacker attacking other Muslims in a mosque while praying. But that happens in other parts of the world. It happens in other parts of the world, particularly in, in Africa, in the areas that are bothered there. In the Middle East, there is, uh, there's even been some in Switzerland and other places. And, you know, part of what we're going to have to look at here is the background for this. We'll wait to hear about this, but I'm going to suggest this is some of the background for it. Uh, both that mosque and uh, the university we're talking about take in international students. So it'll be interesting to see if these, if uh, this one parent man, perhaps with the with the more Muslim name in this one, if he is a, an international student that traveled here and essentially is bringing their fight from Africa to our country to happen here, if that's what's going on. Uh, I don't want to speculate on that, but I want to say that's some of the background as to how does this happen in Quebec, which is normally a very pacifist. They're, they're great people. There's, you know, there's not a whole lot of problems that come out of Quebec that way, but this is shocking to them, certainly. Uh, yeah, well, I think the, 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 sh- the shooter on Parliament Hill was from Quebec, was he not? 
I, I believe so. Yeah. Look, the the, the, yeah. the other thing, well, look, I, when I say that Quebec is good, I'm saying Quebec is good, but let's be clear. There are some radical mosques that are in Quebec and in the Montreal area. They were watched. The police even at least admitted at this point that they do have surveillance on a variety of mosques, and they did have sporadic uh, surveillance on this mosque. Really? So okay. they're aware of it. And, you know, I'm not sure what the teachings that are going on there or what people are saying. You have to be very much inside the game to know what's going on there. But these are some of the concerns when you transport uh, these mosques to basically transport the message of different Islamic ways of thinking and maybe even extreme Islamic way of thinking or enough to cause these people to go in and start shooting it up, which is just terrible. Uh, absolutely, absolutely, just terrible. And, uh, you know, again, uh, we have very little information. Another thing that strikes me, and I want to say that I think this thing was horrible, and I, I want to send my condolences to the people who are affected by this, uh, but it strikes me that the Prime Minister took about 30 seconds to say this is an act of terrorism. But when there have been acts of terrorism and the victims were not Muslim, he's been the first to say, wait, hold on, we don't know what this is, maybe it's mental illness. And and there just seems to be a kind of weird double standard. Well, there is, and that's part of the problem I, I always worry about for the police dealing with this. And every police department, uh, by the way, the police departments in that area, they all responded very quickly, very professionally to this. Um, and the INSAT, the National uh, uh, Terrorism Team, is on this. Uh, however, as I often tell you, responding to terrorism isn't as effective as preventing terrorism for dealing with it. And I worry when politics bleed themselves into the policing and the law enforcement and the dealing with terrorism. And I'd like to think that the prime minister could take a more nonpartisan approach to dealing with terrorism because this is national security. And, and as you point out, there were some terrorist events that have happened in this country when our when our military man was run over by a, by a jihadi-inspired inspired person, he would not call that a terrorist act for a long time. He wouldn't call the attack on Parliament Hill a terrorist act for a long time. And I think there's one thing we can agree on. Nobody deserves to live under terror. I don't, I don't care your religion or your political stripe. We've got to put an end to it. Uh, I, absolute, I absolutely agree, and we will not put an end to it, and we will not get very far with dealing with it unless we're willing to call things as they are. Absolutely, and, and that's where the prime minister has to do a job, uh, and I believe the police department too, of educating Canadians about the different problems. Because, listen, you really have to follow closely to understand. Yeah, and you almost need a program to look at the players when you see fights in some of these countries. Because sometimes it's the old story of the enemy of my enemy is my friend in this case. So people who would normally be enemies will work together to wipe out somebody else. And I, I think you're going to see things start to heat up in the Middle East in the next three months. I think you're going to see some big changes going on there. Um, and we'll have to see how this rides out. I, I, I mean... One thing I do have to say with um, this weekend's uh, ban of Muslim travel from seven countries by President Trump, and I know you are a Trump fan, but I think that uh, things are just roiling and uh, there's just a lot of uh, unrest that is being fomented around the world and that he is not helping it. It, it just the climate feels... 
I don't know how to say. Like it, it, it feels really nasty, and it feels like people with very bad intentions on whatever side of politics are feeling empowered now. Yeah, and let me say this. Uh, Trump fan might be a bit strong for me. I'm certainly a supporter when he's doing and saying something right. I like the way he supports law enforcement, the military, the other things. But let me tell you something about this military ban that I believe is going on that I think most people— Military ban? Uh, I'm sorry, or the, 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 tra- the travel ban. Yeah. Uh, thank you. The travel ban that's going on. There's a lot of talk that this is uh, kind of an off-the-cuff thing, do this, move it around. Didn't think it through very well. Listen, I think what's going to happen is you're going to see from this president that when he makes a promise he's going to deal on something, he's going to deal on it. If you'll notice, this was a 90-day travel ban that he's put on from these specific countries. In the same time, he has put in a 30-day request to his uh, defense secretary to come up with a plan for eradicating ISIS. So I think what's happened here is this travel ban has been put on because I think in the Middle East, the bad actors over there, they know that General Mattis and Donald Trump and uh, the rest of uh, whoever else is going to be there is going to be coming in the next 90 days to come after them. And I think that's probably what I predict you're going to see. There's going to be a plan and there's going to be action to deal with ISIS. Uh, we just saw that the uh, the Americans went in and fought in Yemen. They sent in special forces to fight in Yemen. That helped out Saudi Arabia. Later that day, Saudi Arabia made a call to the president, of course, and said, you can establish safe zones here in Saudi Arabia. We'll help you to establish them for all of these refugees, which is a big move. It's not being reported much, but this is a big move. So- well, it's it's also, I mean, it's been pointed out by many people that he didn't, the, the 9-11 attackers were mostly from Saudi Arabia. They were from Egypt. They were from Lebanon. Those countries are not on the list. And, well, guess what? Uh, Donald Trump has business in Saudi Arabia, though I have to say that Saudi talking about the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Saudi Arabia is now becoming an ally of Israel. Yeah, who who knew? Who knew? While they are spreading the ideology of radical Islam Absolute. at the same time. Absolutely. It it's, boggles it's, the mind. It's, it's a crazy situation. And uh, let me say this as well, too, though. The, the, the issue about Saudi Arabia not being on the list, part of the reason for that is the list that was done up before was one that was vetted by Congress. So when he did his executive order, he did it in line with what Congress had voted on before, as opposed to adding countries. And uh, they said they would look at adding countries if they need to. So I think you're either going to get in line to help get peace in the Middle East, uh, to make uh, get Israel protected properly, and get everybody to stand down. I think you're going to see that's what's coming in the next 90 days. That those are my that's my read on it. <laughs> I think that's a very optimistic read on it. But it's it's interesting if you say that it might coincide with people trying to get out. But but a lot of those uh, terrorists, you know, they say. It, Going down as a martyr, that's okay with them. Absolutely, it is okay with them. And, and you know, those seven, those seven countries that were named, every one of those countries uh, operates terrorist training camps. Every one of them. And every one of them has been bombed by the U.S. in the last little while. So, I mean, I think it's fairly consistent. I think things have got to move ahead. We have to have somebody start taking a stand um, to put down the violence and the terrorism spreading. Um, and, and I hope everybody gets past looking at it perhaps overly emotionally and more looks at dealing with the problem because there there are i mean there are people who are bleeding dying their heads are being chopped off they're running it's it's just terrible what's going on well yeah there there are also people who are are fleeing a terrible war and uh you know women children anyway uh let's uh, take a call we've got Keith in Rochester hi Keith 
Yes, everyone should know that on that Trump directive, 87% of Muslims are still being allowed into the United States. Uh, I'm having a problem with non-Muslims who keep feeling the need to stick up for Islam when Muslims themselves cannot get their act together. It's like on a collective world stage, I would like to just take their heads and bash them together. Well, that's a little attention. violent, Keith. Well, Keith. you have to get Islam's attention. We keep uh, referring to uh, Martin Luther and the 100 points that he nailed to get reformation in the Catholic Church. We need drastic reformation in Islam, and I've never had it explained why the rest of the world that does not care anything about Islam why we have to be beholden to them, Muslims, until they get their act together and get their reformation going. Uh, it took us less than four years from the American point of view, once we were hit at Pearl Harbor, to bring the Axis powers, running them to ground. Using that uh, same analogy from December of 41 to when uh, the Japanese surrendered on the battleship Missouri on the 2nd of September of 45, 3.75 years exactly from the American perspective, we have to go in and fight this war. We would never have allowed in America, both the United States and Canada, any fifth column having to do with Germans and Japanese, but we allow Muslims in. We had this beheading. Uh, several years ago in Oklahoma, we had San Bernardino, we had the uh, Patriot March there in Boston. Uh, Obama allowed these people in with no vetting. Trump is... Wait, San Bernardino, the, the attacker was American, is number one, uh, and his wife uh, was from Pakistan, which, you know, um, I, I you're talking about Islam as one thing, um, Keith, it, and I think it, it, that's it that's part of the problem. It isn't, and well, they're fighting amongst themselves. You know, you know it's interesting. Yeah. So you, when are they going to When are they going to stop? And what, my question is, before you let me go, and I already asked, why are those of us who are not Muslim, who do not care at all about Islam, why are, are why are we left in the middle, waiting for them to get their act together, and we have to uh, take take uh, these terrorist attacks, and if we speak up about it, then we are called racist and anti-Islamic. When are we going to demand of the Muslims, get your act together and leave the rest of us alone in the world? Okay, Keith, I'll, I'll leave Ross to answer that. Thank yeah. you. Bye. Bye. Yeah, in general, Keith raises the interesting point, and a lot of people are asking, why aren't uh, more Muslims speaking up and speaking against the violence on these issues? Some are, absolutely. As as you said, Muslim is not monolithic, although it it seems that way at times, monolithic. It's because we don't understand it. That's what I was saying. We need more Mm -hmm. explanation about a lot of this. But, you know, some of the issue as well, too, though, is the way that the, the mosques spread. A lot of those mosques are funded by Saudi Arabia and different yep. people. And my understanding, my understanding is the way a lot of that works, if you build it, you get to run it. Then you're the head guy at the mosque, and everybody has to sort of fall in line. So you might not be able to speak your mind or say something different if you want to go to your mosque, if your mosque is run by the big guy. So I think that's maybe where some of this disconnect, where people wonder why. they all, Everybody knows great Muslim people, and they wonder why aren't they coming out and as crazy about this, about what's going on with their religion as other people. And that's what's got some of some, us in the West baffled. Well, some of them are. And you have countries, I mean, in Indonesia is the largest Muslim country in the world, and they do have some problem with 
uh, jihadi extremist terrorism, but but they don't seem to be exporting it. Uh, it's a very complicated thing, and uh, there's a lot of violence surrounding it. And I think that we have to understand what we're dealing with here. And, uh, you know, in the midst of all of this, having Canadian citizens, citizens of Quebec attacked while they're praying, to me that is just horrible. We have to you take... Know, can I just say, I like that yeah. you said they're citizens of Quebec first rather than calling them Muslims first. I think that's an interesting perspective. Very good. Well, uh, <laughs> Quebecers no, are citizens of Quebec. Yeah. I come from there. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. We are talking about that horrific terror attack on a mosque in Quebec City. I'm here with security and terrorism expert Ross McLean, and we are taking your calls. Let's go to Frank in Toronto. Hi, Frank. Hi, good afternoon. Um, I'd like to ask uh, Ross McLean what he thinks, how he thinks Trump's going to handle Iran with the deal. And, you know, you, we know that Iran has been one of the worst culprits of exploring terrorism in the past. And uh, can you answer me that question, please? Yeah, my, my understanding is what he's going to do is what he said. He said he's going to ride that contract hard, manage it hard. You know, he wanted to break it, but he then said, well, look, if it's if it's the rules, we got to follow the rules and follow the law, we'll follow the law, but we will manage this contract hard. And if there's any opportunity to get out of it, take advantage or move it along, he's certainly going to push for that. So I think that's the, I think that's the front he's going to be presenting to Iran. Okay, thank you. Okay, you're welcome. Yeah, and uh, there's a lot of noise on that line. Let's uh, move along here. We've got Tony and Lindsay. Hello. Hello. Good day. Um, I uh, just wanted to reiterate what that gentleman said from, I think he was from the States there. Um, I was talking to my uncle uh, on Skype. He's, he lives in Milano and uh, the WWT vet. And back in the day, the Italians, they wouldn't let him over when the war was all, all um, happening and all that because of... Uh, afraid of the uh, same kind of stuff as, as the Muslims now. And I asked them what they thought about Trump, and they said they, so it's about time that the state's got a president who's got a spine who will, you know. And when you look at Trump, he doesn't strike me as a bully sometimes. He kind of strikes me as a bit of a superhero, tough, you know, a guy that won't take nonsense. But, you know, and that's how I think the kind of presence we need right now that, you know, and I think he's right about the, the borders, you know, like until this thing is over, like in Pearl Harbor, uh, what happened there? The, the enemies were smiling. Yeah, we got a, we got a P3 to happen. Next thing you know, they're, they're bombarding and killing uh, thousands of people. I think the Muslims are even that much more conniving. Uh, the, 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 these uh, uh, people are uh, that uh, uh, they might be planning something. You know, we don't know. I mean, a lot of stuff, stuff on that stuff was conceived in Canada, where we're so nice and such good people. And we'll like everybody, which is a good thing to, to, to be. But sometimes, you know, uh, you know, the old saying goes, you know, beware who you're sleeping with, you know? so Yeah, that's think- always a good plan. Thanks, Tony. You know, to Tony's point, there it's yeah. going to be it's going to be interesting. There, there are people who are saying that a lot of the politicians, like Elizabeth May and the other ones, they're politicians. They're not going to necessarily agree with Donald and the things he says and what he does. But there are intelligence people that are saying they want the U.S. to take the lead on this. Then they'll follow after they take the lead. And of you course, mean Theresa May? I'm sorry, Theresa May. Some some of the yeah Elizabeth May. I didn't want to give her a promotion there. A <laughs> big promotion. But they're saying that they want to see the U.S. take the lead on this. Then they will follow. And of course, uh, some of the criticism of Obama was he was famous for leading from behind. So there's certainly going to be a change in how things progress. 
absolutely. Uh, But again, uh, you know, I don't know. Donald Trump, we'll see. Let us go to uh, Dennis in Brampton. Hi, Dennis. Hi, Libby. I have uh, two points to make uh, with respect to the ban and um, the, the other gentleman's comment from the states about getting acts together. Um, the number of terrorist attacks on U.S. soil since 9-11 are vastly outnumbered by the mass shootings and gun deaths uh, committed by American citizens. You've got it. <laughs> and my second point is this, and a little more controversial perhaps, but um, I'm reminded of a, an old West Wing, and I actually heard, give credit to Neil this morning. Oh, the, that Neil was t- talking about the one where, okay, you know what? Um, honestly, um, I don't think you're familiar with uh, a lot of the tenets uh, of the Muslim faith and the way they're interpreted. So, um, you know, I think that's just not a, a very good analogy. I, I studied uh, all this stuff in university for five years, so that particular analogy doesn't really apply. But put this, put that aside for a moment. Is um, he's now removed two senior uh, intelligence people from? the National Security Council, and he's replaced one of them with uh, Steve Bannon, who in his previous life has been sympathetic to extremists who were not Muslim. Well, yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah. I mean... um... And and that's supposed to protect uh, Americans when you have two senior people with knowledge, they're off and he's in. Well, I, I would say that's a worrisome thing. Ross, what do you think of that? Yeah. It's not our country, but... Yeah, you go back in history, you look at Kennedy. When he came in, the first thing he did was he fired the CIA director, took him out and said, you're no longer reporting directly into me and going to be in the major meetings. Because one of the things he recognized is what the CIA does. The first briefing the president gets in the morning is his security briefing. And what the, the actual security people used to tell you is we love it because we get the president first thing in the morning, we tell him, here's all the hot spots, here's all the things you have to do, here's all the things you have to worry about. And Kennedy said, before I knew it, I was looking after their agenda, not mine. So I think you're going to find that what Donald Trump decided in this case is it's going to be his agenda for how he's going to run the U.S., and it's not going to be run by the intelligence agencies. He'll have them there. He'll listen to them. He respects them. He put a very good guy in place. But he's changing the order of who gets to call the shots in the White House. I think that's what the reasoning behind that is. Well, still, you, you've, got, you've got to think that uh, somebody like Steve Bannon in that role is a little worrisome. U.S. naval officer, I believe, uh, graduated with uh, pretty well this class. So, in two thousand and eight. Yeah. Yeah. Steve Bannon graduated in two thousand and eight. Well, it was um, no. It was I don't much think so. Yes. He hasn't been in the Navy for twenty odd years. Yeah. So, uh, please, uh, I think your guest is stretching uh, the truth to fit his Trump agenda. But I'll leave it at that. And thank you for taking my call. Okay. Thanks, Dennis. Okay. So you're a little bit of a Trump supporter there, Ross. No, no, no. It's not, no, it's not an agenda. What it is is you have, you have a team, and you're going to decide who's going to be on your team and how you're going to move it forward. And you need to have people cooperating with you and uh, people who you trust to move things forward. So that's very much, I think, what's happened here is they've moved someone in trust. They want to move with speed. And, you know, we'll see how that goes. He's made an un- announcement today. He's announcing his Supreme Court pick in a couple of days, I believe, as well. And he's moving fast. So... 
We'll see. We'll see. Okay, uh, let's take another call. We've got Jerry in Burlington. Hi, Jerry. Hello. Uh, thank you for taking my call. You're very welcome. I have a couple of points. Don't worry. I'll be very brief. Uh, one, what happened in Quebec is such a, such a tragedy. No matter what uh, the religion or whatever, killing people should not be, you know, it's, it, my heart goes to the victims. I, th- I think all of us are feeling that. Yeah. Thank Amen. you. Uh, Amen. My second point is I agree with Ross on, on everything he says. Uh, I like his approach, which is non-confrontational, um, you know, no, no, no hatred, nothing. And finally, uh, Libby, uh, and that's why I, why I actually called, my hat's off to you, because you said something at the beginning of this program that I was going to call, and then you even used my own words. And that was concerning Sorry. our Prime Minister's reaction to the um, uh, attack. And the fact that whenever something like that happens in the world, uh, he is very cautious, uh, and it takes him days sometimes to say, well, yes, it was a terrorist attack, whereas um, now, within hours of this, he says it was a terrorist attack. And you even used my own word, a double standard. And uh, my hat's off to you. Okay, thank you very much. Okay. <laughs> let, let me say this, too. Let me say my hat's off to Libya as well, too. I do interviews with lots of different uh, people in the media, and, some, and sometimes they're not willing to take people on who may have differing views from them, and they don't always offer insightful questions. They don't listen to the guests. Uh, Libby, you listen to your guests. You're not afraid to challenge your guests, and you're not afraid to bring in a different point of view that people aren't catching. So I think your listeners have got it right who are listening to this show. Well, th- thank you so much. I'm, okay, I'm blushing with all the compliments. <laughs> Okay. okay, thanks a lot. Have a nice day. Thank you very much to Ross McLean, and I'm sure we'll be talking to you soon. Thanks, Libby. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.